You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today, as always, I'm your host, Evan Sidery. I'm actually going solo today without burning clean. You can follow me on Twitter at eSidery. And today, we're doing a fun little mailbag episode for you guys today. We're going to answer all your questions you submitted this morning on at Locked On PHX Suns on Twitter. I'll repeat, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns. And we got, it looks about six or seven questions in the mailbag. And we're also going to do a little fun exercise at the end just by myself. I'm going to go on tankathon.com and do a quick spin through the mock draft and see where the sun's landing. Do a quick little lottery mock draft for you guys, including the Miami Heat pick. Because it looks like right now at the moment the Bucks pick is, unfortunately, it looks like it was teased all the way up to the end of the season. And right now, unless the Wizards pull up some sort of miracle in the last game or two and pull up an upset against a really favorable schedule for the Bucks, then it looks like the, that pick won't convey this year, unfortunately. So... We're going to do a quick little spin through Tankathon alongside this mailbag, so I hope you guys enjoy. All right, so we're going to start off with the first question, and it's from at AleCaz1 on Twitter, Alessandro Kazi, and he asks, how much the hometown kid factor do you think will matter for the draft? Because I assume that even if McDonough thinks Doncic or Jaron Jackson Jr. are the better prospect, I think that he is pretty much obliged to take Aiden or Bagley to please the fans at Sarver, considering his job's not safe. I hope not, especially for the Bagley part, but I think it's a strong possibility he will stick to the consensus and he will not risk taking the Euro guy or a project like Triple J, even if they are prob- probably better fits than both Bagley and A, in my opinion. So he's, I guess he's looking for my opinion there as far as how much will the hometown kid factor into that. And really, I don't think it will that much. I know on the surface, it seems like it could in that way with um, DeAndre Ingo in the U of A, but I feel like McDonough's kind of already been saying it for the last month or so when he formally came out in the media and said that they prefer a center over a point guard, which I found to be very interesting. So I think, honestly, that it kind of tips their hand to favoring a big man with their current core they have. You know, I'm, I myself, as you guys know, I'm a Luka Doncic guy. I think he should be the, the number one pick for the Suns far and away. But I, I get this feeling really over the last month or so that it's getting very close. If they do, do get the number one overall pick, it's going to be DeAndre Aiden over Luka Doncic and Marvin Bagley. And I don't think it's a hometown kid thing because – if you look at DeAndre Ayton's production, he's a 20-10 and 10 guy immediately in college, and I think that's going to translate in less than two seasons in the NBA, too. So if they truly believe that they need a transcendent big man, and I, I believe Kasarver has those U of A ties, that it makes some sense in the service to say that. But if they believe that they have their guard and their wing set with Devin Booker and Josh Jackson, you could do very similar to what Philadelphia did, get your guard and Markel Foltz, your wing and Ben Simmons and your big and Joel Embiid. So you pretty much have the exact same core stru- structurally set up like that. Obviously, they're different players, but it'd be very similar to how Philadelphia did it. And then it took them two years from there to really push it, push through that, that envelope and get into the contention for the playoffs. So I think if they're really trying to at least push toward 2020 for being the year for the playoff contention, really 2019 being the year where they take a really big step toward that, maybe like a double-digit win improvement, then... I think DeAndre, the more I think about it, it's going to be the number one pick, even though, as you guys know, like I mentioned, I am a Luka Doncic guy. So as far as your question goes, Alessandra, I believe it won't really play much of a factor. I do believe DeAndre is number one on their board. I don't know that for sure, but I have a very strong feeling that he will be a guy that's number one on their board. I think even though Ryan McDonough has really mentioned the Goran Dragic, the Isaiah Thomas, Eric Bledsoe experience, I know me and Brent talked about that on the last episode, but I think, honestly, the the more I think about it, it makes a lot more sense for them to take a big man in DeAndre and see where it goes from there, even though I think it might be a situation where you're really banking on DeAndre Aiden to really swing his defensive potential all the way in a 180 sort of because right now he didn't surely much of improvement at all as far as rim protection. That's going to be a really big thing if he gets drafted number one overall by the Phoenix Suns. So I appreciate your question, Alessandro. We're going to move on real quick to another question here from at Drano Matt RM. And he asks, if the Suns pick 
end up picking third in the draft. So that'd be a really bad scenario for Suns fans who want to get either Luka Doncic or DeAndre in the top two. But if they end up going in the third pick in the in the lottery, who would they get? And he put at the end hashtag Triple J because it seems like he is a Triple J guy. So if they do pick third, honestly, it would be a situation where this kind of is off the fen- like off the fence sort of as far as a minority opinion. But if they do land outside the top two, I think. I think it's a very, not a high possibility, but I think it's a lot better if they do have that Kawhi Leonard scenario play out where he asked for a trade this summer. I think you could easily offer number three in that scenario, even not picking, not including Josh Jackson or Devin Booker. You could offer the number three pick for Kawhi Leonard in that scenario. So not including that scenario in there because I know it's obviously not happening yet and we don't know that until a few months away. So I'll just stick to my personal board now and I would go Michael Porter Jr. number three overall, even over Martin Bagley because... I think it'd be such a unique fit from an offense perspective. You could have Michael Porter Jr. at the stretch four, Josh Jackson as a three with Devin Booker at the two, and you could also have Booker and Jackson share playmaking duties. And Michael Porter as a second or a third option would be such a deadly option as well from the perimeter. Him and Booker and pick and rolls and him spotting up would be both of them, both of them really be getting very easy looks compared to how it were this season. And if Michael Porter checks out medically, which I think he will, that's why I'm moving up from five to three over the last month or so on my board, then I think he's a guy who's immediately going to be a 20-point-per-game guy, almost right off the bat because his scoring potential. If you watch a lot of his highlights from AAU, Mo Cannelly, he he's a he's a, he's a handful. He's a three-level scorer, and I can see why many GMs believe his ceiling is like a Kevin Durant because he's so smooth and he's so fluid that he could really translate if he really hits his two-way potential, which that's still a lot to question out there. But from an offense perspective, I think – Michael Porter at the four alongside getting a, a center like Clint Capella or Steven Adams in a trade makes a lot of sense for the Suns if they were to pick number three. Even if that Kawhi Leonard scenario were to play out, I think that makes sense as well. So I, if I want to answer your question in a right manner, Drano, Matt, RM, I think it's going to be Michael Porter Jr. number three for, for me personally. But if Kawhi does ask out in a month or so, I would definitely, definitely do that. If I was Ryan McDonough, I would call up R.C. Buford and offer the number three overall pick around T.J. Warren plus other assets. I think that makes a lot of sense. You want to go Kawhi at the small ball four or even Josh Jackson there in a few years. And I think that trio could be really deadly. But just from that perspective, I think Michael Porter, if there's no trade involved, makes a lot of sense there. So we're going to move on to the next question. Appreciate your question, Drano Matt RM. We're going to move on to Duryea Wallace at Duryea Wallace on Twitter. He asks, Suns get the fourth pick. So you guys are seeing a little bit less optimistic on that because I know right now, the Suns are probably going to finish at the best odds for the number one overall pick, but as we all know, they have the best chance of finishing fourth, even above the first overall pick. So worst case scenario for Duryea happened. The Suns finished number four in the lottery. Are you more inclined to go after Trey Young and Trey for the big that falls or draft Triple J and get a guard in free agency? That's a good question. I think, ooh, that is a tough one. As of at fourth overall, I I do have Jaron Jackson above Martin Bagley on my board. So Bagley's a guy who I have ranked number six on my board right now, number number five, excuse me, so I would not take him here. I have Jaron Jackson above him, so I would go Triple J. I think he makes the most sense here from a defensive versatility perspective as far as as long as his offense blossoms, which I think it will because as you've seen recently, especially prospects that go to Michigan State, Tom Izzo does not utilize him correctly at all, and Jaron Jackson was utilized not at all really correctly because he was never put in position to be a secondary scorer, even he was usually the third or fourth option, and when he was able to show off that against Minnesota, especially finished with almost 30 points and very good efficiency. And he pulled out a lot of guard-like moves too. He showed off in rare flashes when Izzo allowed him to. So put him in a pro system, and I'm really in favor of Jaron Jackson there. And on your second part there, get a guard in free agency. I think in that scenario, if you draft a Triple J, honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't go to free agency for that. I would do a trade option with what they have. I'd trade the Miami pick. Or actually, no. Thinking about more, the Miami pick would probably stay. 
But if you can get Kemba Walker, dial them up, Mitch Kupchak, new general manager, I think that'd probably make more sense to try to pursue Kemba Walker and that's not over free agency guard. But even if you stayed at 15 or 16, you can get a guy like D'Anthony Melton, who fits a lot of what they were looking for with Frank Nielakino last year. Super lanky guy, even though he's smaller than Frank. And if his shot is a lot better and smoother than he's been hyping up over the last few months, then he can really blow up the combine and be there for the sons of that pick. And he makes a lot of sense for me on the surface as far as a, a perfect Phoenix Dunn book for the next five plus years. So appreciate your question, Durie. We're going to move on here to, to douchebag John at John on Twitter. He asks, if Suns win the lottery draft and take Doncic number one, would you trade next year's first and a player not named Booker or Jackson to open and get DeAndre and if it was possible? Assume number two pick goes with Bagley Porter. Okay, so even though that, that scenario would not happen in real life, DeAndre and would get number two overall. Let's just do say that for some reason someone's infatuated with Michael Porter Jr., like Atlanta. Let's say Atlanta takes Michael Porter and number two overall. The Suns land number one and take Luka Doncic. So you're looking at a situation here where I... I honestly don't think it's possible to book the number three. You, you would have to want to bank on that Milwaukee pick to convey. You'd have to obviously offer the 2020 Miami pick. You'd have to obviously offer up your own pick in 2019. You're looking at a lot of assets there where I think it's almost impossible from the Suns' perspective to move up all the way up from number one, excuse me, all the way from one to get back into the top three. I don't think that really makes a lot of sense in the service and really drain them of their assets. So. If they were to do that, it makes it'd be super exciting, of course. Like you're getting Luka Doncic, DeAndre Aiden in the top three. That's that's a best case scenario, home run hit by Ryan McDonough. But unfortunately, John, I do not see that happening at all. I don't think that's a scenario that's possible. So unfortunately, I think that DeAndre Aiden does get number two in that scenario, and they move on from there and really save their assets for a better trade for a superstar, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, like like Kawhi Leonard, or even like a trade for a fringe all star like a Kemba Walker. I think those two make a lot more sense to trade up for into the top three especially that'd be a lot of asset allocation that'd be going the other way so but appreciate your question though john and then move on to a, one of our other questions here it's from silent wizard 65 trade options for point guard if we don't draft Doncic. okay me and brent actually touched on this a little bit in our last episode so if you want to go back and listen into Doncic versus deandre and i know that was last week but it was about an hour long episode it really went super in depth on bro- both prospects for you guys so if you haven't had a chance to listen into that episode go on itunes and go find that it's an hour long, so just sit back and relax. It's a really good podcast for you guys. We went super in-depth on the fit for both Luka Doncic and DeAndre Aiden in Phoenix. But in this scenario, I imagine he's he has taken DeAndre Aiden, Silent Wizard 65 does, and he asks, traps for a point guard. So like I mentioned in the previous question, I think it would be Kemba Walker. I think that's one of the more probable scenarios right now that I think could happen for the Suns. It's offering up, if that pick even doesn't convey, the Milwaukee pick, you could offer up T.J. Warren in the, in the Miami pick for Kemba Walker alongside some other assets like your other second-round picks you have. I think they have three in the second round. So even your 2019 first-round pick, I mean, you're, you're, you're reaching a situation if you're Ryan McDonough that you have to you have to change course about how this is going. Like Devin Booker himself expected a big improvement this year. A lot of guys expected a big improvement this year, and that obviously didn't happen. So I think there's going to be some super aggressive changes this offseason, and I think if they were to go in that direction of DeAndre Aiden, number one or number two, wherever they land, don't get Luka Doncic, then I think they obviously call Mitch Kupchak of the Charlotte Hornets and offer up anything for Kemba Walker, like a TJ Warren outside of them, Booker, Josh Jackson, and others' assets. Even Dragon Bender might be on the board for them at that situation because, like I mentioned, guys, I mean, Ryan McDonough knows that he's kind of on the hot seat, I feel like, and if he's not aggressive to the to the tune that a lot of people expect him to be this summer, then that seat might get a little bit hotter. I think the more I think about it, I think Kemba Walker – if the Charlotte Hornets are truly going to just restructure themselves around Mitch Kupchak, the new general manager, moving forward, then I think just hitting the reset button on Kemba Walker and having the Suns go after him, I think makes a lot of sense. And I put actually 
near 50% odds than that actually happening because I think that makes a lot of sense from both sides, especially when we get close to the draft night. So, but appreciate your question, Silent Wizard 65. We're going to move on real quick to our last question, and that's from Monster Demo 3 at Monster Demo on Twitter. Yes. Since Wright is a long shot, Jay Wright, the head coach of Villanova, he just won his second national title in 30 years in NCAA. Who is your favorite coaching candidate? Right now, as I wrote a story on Jay Wright earlier this week on Brightside the Sun, I mentioned he was my favorite coaching candidate. So in this scenario, we're going to just imagine that Jay Wright doesn't give the Suns the time of day and he stays at Villanova alongside decline other NBA options. And so at that point, it seems like Jay Wright would be a Villanova lifer. But in that scenario, I would go Igor Kokoskov with the Utah Jazz. I think he makes a lot of sense on the surface for what they're trying to do. He would immediately instill a defensive culture. He would immediately instill an offense that, that's built from all three levels, and it would be way different than it usually is for the Suns for the last five years. But if you build from the inside out, if you build actually a, a defensive quality team around Devin Booker and Josh Jackson, and you get a guy like Luka Doncic with Igor Kokoskov, who was his national team head coach and led him to a title last summer. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I know Luka Doncic's agent, Bill Duffy, mentioned, I think, last week in a in a Slovenian paper that they are interested in going to Phoenix. Like DeAndre Aiden mentioned on Bright Side of the Sun when he quoted the two of the eye emojis, he mentioned that if they were to also get Igor Kokoskov, I think that makes a lot of sense for them as well. He, he actually mentioned that verbatim. If they were to get Kokoskov, he would love to pair him with another Slovenian and Luka Doncic. And I think that makes a lot of sense on the surface if they were to go some sort of option that they have already conjured up in their heads would be going after Luka Doncic and getting Igor Kokoskov to the fold, who is one of the youngest coaching candidates, by the way, in the coaching search around just his young 40s. I think 42 years old he is. So it makes a lot of sense in the search looking for a guy who would not only develop the talent into a winning commodity, but he would also develop Luka Doncic, Josh Jackson, then Booker even further. And I'm very confident a guy like Kokoskov would make those guys buy in and actually hold himself accountable. That's one of the big things I'm, I keep talking about on the podcast throughout the entire season is holding these guys accountable. I feel like Earl Watson didn't do that. Jay Triano is starting to do that more, but he's been inconsistent with that. So they 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 obviously need just a big old culture change in Phoenix. I think it's going to happen sometime very soon, probably this summer. I think it would go a long way if they didn't get Jay Rye as the head coach, going with Igor Kokoskov and getting Luka Doncic alongside him to get a big three of Doncic, Booker, and Jackson, and then going from there. I think that makes a lot of sense and will be a really exciting exciting future for the Suns to look at. But appreciate you guys for that mailback section. That was a really fun, fun section for you guys there. I'm going to move on to tankathon.com. I just opened up the app on my computer. And as we all know right now, the Phoenix Sunset 20 and 59, they are one and a half games back of the Memphis Grizzlies, one and a half games in front of the Memphis Grizzlies, two games in front of the Atlanta Hawks and four games in front of the Dallas Mavericks for the three teams behind the Suns in the reverse standings. And it looks like unless the Suns beat the Pelicans on Friday, then they are going to lock in that number one spot, which would be interesting to follow if they do. And there's a possibility that Devin Booker could play on Friday. So we'll have to monitor that and see how that goes. But I'm going to press Sim Lottery button here, folks, and let's just hope for the best because it easily could go number four overall. But Sim Lottery. Where there we go. The Suns land number one overall. So it looks like nothing really changed in the lottery, actually, this time around. Outside of just a few moments in the mid-first, then, then it looks like everything stayed really status quo. So Phoenix, number one overall. They land DeAndre, and I think I'm a Luka Doncic guy myself, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, but... I think the more and more the connections of the dots I'm making that DeAndre Ayton is probably number one on their board, and it fills a need for them too because I, I was talking to some people at the Suns game recently. When was the last time that Suns had a dominant big man? I mean, if you want to include Amari Stoudemire in that fold, who's a very small ball five, who was very, I wouldn't say not muscular, but he wasn't as muscular as a guy like DeAndre Ayton. He's not as, as filled out as DeAndre Ayton. So I feel like that really hasn't happened in Phoenix before outside of when Shaquille O'Neal came here and he was way, way past his prime, obviously, but 
they've never had that here, and I think that would be a very unique thing for the Suns to at least try. And I think a guy like Robert Sarver, who's going to have some say, I feel like, even though McDonough seems to be getting the keys more and more every day to the organization, but I think DeAndre Ayton makes a lot of sense for the Suns, and I think if that were to happen, people would be excited, but I think Luka Doncic would be the best fit overall. But I think if he get, does go number two overall to the Grizz, which I will slot in my next selection, but he, whew, that's a very tough trio to match up with Michael Conley, Marcus All, and, and Luka Doncic. But number one overall is DeAndre Ayton, big man out of Arizona, and I think that's that's where I'm going to keep going, even though I'm a Doncic guy until the draft, because from everything I've heard, it seems like DeAndre Ayton's number one on their board. So I'll keep you guys monitoring that throughout the summer, but it seems like it's going to be going that way. But number two overall, the Memphis Grizzlies, like, like I mentioned, is going to be Luka Doncic. I think that makes the most sense in the service for them. Pair Luka Doncic alongside Michael Conley at the two guard even. I mean, that's a very promising future for the Grizzlies. Not only bounce back and really get in the playoff contention next season, but they can make some noise and maybe a seven or an eight seed if they don't move Marcus All and they actually trade some of those young, unproducing guys off their roster for some actual assets in return. So the Grizzlies could be a really interesting team next season if they actually were to keep Luka Doncic at number two overall, if the Suns were to go DeAndre and alongside Michael Conley and Marcus All. But Number three overall is the Atlanta Hawks, and I'm going to slot them, actually, Michael Porter Jr. by surprise. I think he makes the most sense for them on the surface because they don't have a stretch four. They don't have a scorer like him either. Torian Prince is not going to be a scorer, not not even close to what Michael Porter Jr. could be. So I think MPJ makes a lot of sense for them. I think they'd be doing backflips even over a guy like Marvin Bagley because he doesn't really fit with the Suns, really what the Hawks are looking for. So I think MPJ makes a lot of sense for them, and I will continue to slide him toward the Hawks if they were in Atlanta in the top three even above guys like Martin Bagley the third and Jaron Jackson Jr. But number four overall, Dallas Mavericks. This is a tough one for me because I've actually been slotting Mo Bamba there recently and even Jaron Jackson. But Martin Bagley will obviously be in consideration here, I feel like. And if that were to occur, I feel like Jaron Jackson would be the pick, even though a lot of people would be saying Martin Bagley because he would make a lot of sense from an offense perspective in Dallas. But I think from defense, that's going to have to be prioritized with Dallas because DSJ is not going to be a guy that's a plus defensive guy I think not for at least a couple seasons if not at all so you need someone that's going to help anchor down that defense I think with Muhammad Bamba's it it seemed like his stock slipping a little bit I had him in the top four at the beginning of the season but I think he's near seven or eight range for me now so if it were to go for a big I think it's going to be Jaron Jackson Jr. on Michigan State he fits a lot of the the criteria that they're looking for especially from a inside out where he could be a really a stretch five he could be almost like the next Chris S. Porzingis in that sense there there's really no other big man currently doing what Porzingis really does and Jaron Jackson's in a similar mold and I think he could be really really good if he's given at least more usage because he didn't really have much at all in Michigan State and that he could be a really good defensive two-way player alongside a budding offensive star I feel like so I think Triple J's ceiling is very high I'm higher on his soon than most but I think Triple J and DSJ would make a really good pairing for the next five plus, even probably a decade plus in Dallas. But we're going to move on to number five in this, and it's Orlando Magic. So right now they have not only Trey Young on the board, but they also have Marvin Bagley. So that's a tough one for them. I think they would honestly go Trey Young because they they need to have some sort of spark in Orlando. They've been stagnant. The, the fans aren't really showing up there anymore. They really, outside of Aaron Gordon, they really haven't done well drafting at all. So if they were to at least keep Aaron Gordon around, this is under the scenario I'm imagining them keeping Aaron Gordon, and I think they would go Trey Young. But if they had moved on from from a guy like Aaron Gordon, I think Martin Bagley would be the pick. But in this scenario, I'm going to say that they re-sign Aaron Gordon to a near-max extension this summer, even if a team like Phoenix pursues, and then they'll just match that. But I think Trey Young and Aaron Gordon can make a really di- dynamic duo, and I think that would be really fun to watch, honestly, because Trey Young would have a lot of space compared to Oklahoma. The Oklahoma team was one of the worst teams I've watched, even, even worse than the LSU Ben Simmons team from a couple of years ago. So I think... 
Trey Young makes a lot of sense for them, and I think if that were to play out how it is right now, I think he would even go ahead of a guy like Marvin Bagley III in this sort of draft scenario that played out for us. But number six overall, the Sacramento Kings, I'm actually going to slot them MB3 here. I think his slide ends, and he would end up at number six in Sacramento. And that's a really good fit, I feel like, for Bagley because not only next to De'Aaron Fox, he's a super speedy guard, but he has the spacing with him also with Buddy Heald, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Justin Jackson. You just allow MB3 to get out and then transition. He'd be feasting in the paint. I love that that fit for him on the surface because even compared to a team like Orlando and Dallas, he would have a lot more playing time in Sacramento immediately, even if a guy like Harry Giles is healthy because he would obviously usurp him and usurp a lot of guys in that rotation, even above Willie Cauley-Stein. So also, if you believe Bagley's more of a four, too, because he's very thin, we all know that. So you could put Willie Cauley-Stein at the five and play a lot of minutes with him next to a bigger, bigger guy. So I think Sacramento, from that fit perspective, the more I think about it, I think I like that one one of the better overall fits for Bagley in this entire lottery because I think that allows him really outside of Memphis would be a very good fit too. But I think Sacramento, pair him alongside De'Aaron Fox would be a very fun duo to watch. And that spacing in Sacramento really open up a lot of doors for Martin Bagley to really improve very quickly in the NBA. So number seven overall is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I'm actually going to throw a little curveball here. I'm going to go Muhammad Bamba because I feel like they never have had a rim protector like him. He's very unique. And I feel like with guys on the board like MPJ, they're really they're going to miss on, on the star guys. I feel like Mikhail Bridges could be a guy they, they consider if LeBron James leaves, but I think they're going to swing for the fences here with that top seven pick, and they're going to have to go with the highest upside guy here on the board, and that's Muhammad Bamba out of Texas. And he does everything Tristan Thompson does, and he does it better. And he, he's a lot better defender, and if he actually has spacing around him, that would be a really big thing to watch for if Kobe Altman's able to restructure a roster without LeBron James around a Muhammad Bamba type. would be really would be really interesting because you could really use a lot of Bamba's strengths almost immediately better than Shaka Smart did in the NCAA level. And if you pair next to LeBron James, that's, oh, if he stayed in Cleveland, that would be very scary. And that would really help cover for LeBron too because you could literally just have all the guards like LeBron, all the wings just vacuum in toward the paint, have those guys just go right toward Bamba, and he would just block those shots and send them away. I feel like Bamba's going to be a guy that's immediately going to transform a defense whatever team he lands on. I love the fit for Phoenix, but it looks like they're not going to land in that four to six range. I feel like Bamba could go if they do get him. But in this scenario here, Cleveland gets Muhammad Bamba, and I really love that for not only if they don't have LeBron James, but if they do have LeBron James, I think he fits both ways and fits it really well. So number eight overall is the New York Knicks, and I think they're going to go Mikhail Bridges here, even though I feel like Wendell Kerr would make a lot of sense for them. I feel like they view Chris Porzingis as a five long-term, and I feel like that could really sway their opinion as far as going with my, with Mikhail Burrs instead. I feel like that makes a lot of sense for them too because Mikhail is a guy who's going to shoot the ball a lot. He's going to shoot it very good. Also, he's improved from a 29% three-point shooter to a 43% three-point shooter as a, as a retro junior, so the obvious improvements are there. And I've seen the hyperbolic comparison to like a Kawhi Leonard before, but he's not going to be a Kawhi. He's going to be a super role player. He's going to be a really a very good second or third option on the NBA level. And put him next to Chris Porzingis if he's fully healthy. I love that fit because he's going to have vi- uh, just – advanced amount of spacing really and that's going to change a lot really like with how Bagley was in Sacramento get McKilbert even more space and more athletes around him I feel like he's going to thrive and his defense will even show him better even more on the next level I feel like so New York Knicks are going to take I feel like McKilbert is in the scenario even a window Carter makes a lot of sense as it were to pair next to Chris Esporzingis but number nine overall I'm going to actually go window Carter myself and that to the Chicago Bulls and that's a really good fit for me because Wendell Carter and Lowry Markinen, that's a very fun duo to think about. It would really just balance out Markinen's strengths and Carter's strengths because what they don't do, what Carter does do well, Markinen doesn't do well and vice versa. So 
if you're really looking to build a versatile front court with a scorer and a defender who could really be comfortable being a third or fourth option and really helps space the floor as well as a passer, I think Wendell Carr is a perfect fit in Chicago and him and Mark can be a, a very fun duo to follow over the next couple of years. So number 10 overall though, the Charlotte Hornets. And this is where I'm going to, if I was in Ryan McDonough's shoes, this is where I dial up Mitch Kupchak, the new general manager of the Charlotte Hornets and offer up the Miami pick at 17, the Milwaukee pick at 16, which looks like it's conveying currently on the Tankathon ranking. So I'd offer up 16 and 17 their way and I'd send it out to number 10 overall for Charlotte for to get Kemba Walker. Cause I feel like that's, the more I think about it, it's the most probable scenario that's going to happen. Because as Ryan McDonough mentioned, if two, yesterday on Burns and Gambo's show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, if he mentioned that, he mentioned a scenario playing out where if they did have 16-17, both those picks from Milwaukee and Miami convey, they would not use all three of those picks that they would have, including the Suns pick at the top three. So I, I imagine they're going to at least move up for a guy. Or if they're going to move up for a guy like Colin Sexton or Trey Young, if neither of those guys are on the board, I feel like Kemba Walker is the more immediate impact guy. Especially if they were to get DeAndre Ayton too. If they were to get DeAndre Ayton and the pair him with Kemba Walker, and that's a that's a big four immediately. I feel like in the Suns, and that that immediately starts to draw some interest from the outside too. If you have, if you're able to walk into a free agency meeting with Devin Booker, Kemba Walker, Josh Jackson, and DeAndre Ayton next summer, that's a very big thing. That's a very big thing to to follow for the Suns because they're gonna have ample amounts of cap space in 2019. And if that happens, I think it's gonna be really fun to watch and it'll be really fun to watch how that develops moving forward because that big four could be really scary to follow. So, And with the number 11 pick in this exercise, I'm going to have the Phil W. Senate 76ers on the clock after the Suns were to trade for Kemba Walker and and move the 16-70 picks for the number 10 overall. And if that were to occur, then I think Zaire Smith makes a lot of sense for the Phil W. Senate 76ers because he fits not only a two-way perspective for next to Ben Simmons, but if that shot is legit, I love how he's going to skyrocket on the boards, I feel like, and after the draft comment because he's a very versatile guy. He reminds me a lot of Gerald Green, actually, but even more of a refined prospect than Green ever was. So he might be a guy I've seen. I've just been looking on Texas A&M website, Texas Tech websites recently, and there's rumors that there's Zaire Smith as a 50-inch vertical. Yeah, a 50-inch vertical. So if that's actually legit and he puts that up at the combine, then he's definitely going to be in the lottery. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. So I think Zaire Smith makes a lot of sense on the board if this were to be how it fell for the Sixers. And He'd be a perfect fit next to Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz, and that'd be a really fun to watch for the Sixers because that could allow Zaire Smith to really focus more on defense. And if he gets a shot, he could be a very deadly pairing next to Robert Covington and really be almost a Covington 2.0, I feel like. So for them, I think that makes a lot of sense on the surface. So I, I would definitely go with Zaire Smith here. And I think number 12 overall, we're going to transfer over to the Los Angeles Clippers who have this pick from the Detroit Pistons, and that's going to be Troy Brown, I feel like, from Oregon. Another super wing He's kind of a more passing, more of a passing prospect than Zaire Smith ever was, but he hasn't really been able to show it off that much this year with the lack of talent around him at Oregon compared to how it could be next year with a guy like Bol Bol. But I feel like Troy Brown can really fit a lot of things that the Clippers are looking for because honestly, he makes a lot of sense from the passing perspective, like I mentioned. But he's more of a two-way profile. I have him ahead of, I think even ahead of a Miles Bridges guy because I think I think Bridges is more of a tweener and he could be a guy I feel like could be kind of set up to not to fail but I feel like he's going to have high expectations to where he's going to be expected to contribute a lot in different places I feel like Burgess is kind of a guy that's has a lower floor than I than I he has a lower floor than I think others do so I think it makes a lot of sense to actually go with Troy Brown here instead for the high upside more home run swing if you wanted to trade those picks that Ballmer did and acquire them like Steve Ballmer did for Blake Griffin and, and that Pistons trade so I'm gonna have Troy Brown go here now I'm also going to go with the big man as well and that's going to be Robert Williams out of Texas A&M. And I think that he fits very well as the DeAndre Jordan replacement. 
And if that were to happen, I think they would move on from DeAndre Jordan this summer, who's an unrestricted free agent. So I think coming out of the draft in the, in the lottery with the two guys like Troy Brown and Robert Williams would be very, very good for the Clippers because it saves them so much money trading off that max contract with Blake Griffin. And getting a guy like Williams and a guy like Brown are two guys who fill needs that Griffin used to do and also DeAndre Jordan. So if you're hitting the, a slight reset button in the Los Angeles with the Clippers, I think that Troy Brown and Robert Williams are two solid steps forward in that direction. So number 14 overall in, the, in this fun exercise for you guys today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. The Denver Nuggets are going to take Miles Bridges of Michigan State, and I think that's a perfect fit for Miles Bridges because he wouldn't be asked to do much next to Paul Millsap and next to Nicole Jokic. He'd be a guy that's off the bench averaging about 20, 25 minutes a game. Super high-energy guy, and I think he'd fit really well into what Denver's looking for with Mike Malone. He'd be a guy that they won't have to rely a lot on early. He'd be able to just slowly take his time, which I think a guy like Bridges is going to need on the next level as he adjusts. So I think a guy like Miles Bridges, even though I think a lot of people think he's going to go top 10 in this draft, is a guy to me that I think is going to be the perfect candidate to slip in this draft. And I think a, a team like the Denver Nuggets, whoever finished that 14 slot, is going to gobble him right up if he's there. So I think in this scenario, Denver Nuggets take Miles Burgess. So that really wraps up our, our exercise for today, and especially the lottery mock draft. I appreciate you guys listening in today's podcast. We went over the first 20 minutes, so it was a, a mailback feature for you guys alongside the last 10 or so minutes on a quick lottery mock draft for you guys. So I appreciate you all listening in. And Brendan will be back with me tomorrow as we recap the game.